You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 297. Hey everybody, we are here once again to bring you another show. I have another fact. We have some guests. We do, because it's an odd-numbered episode. Yes, we do. I am super excited. I I feel like every week I get to have guests on the show that I'm huge fans of. You pretty much always say you're super excited, but it's always true, That's true. All right, so this week on the show, we have Kevin and Melissa Delp from Tantrum House. Hey guys, how are you? Hi. Hey, Hello. glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for being excited. I mean, that's kind of how I live my life. Like, I think Will is like my spirit animal. I was going to ask like, you how close to Will excited are you? Because that's like really, really excited. Um, when I'm at a convention, I might be there. I might be there. <laughs> when I'm at home, I've got kids that are destroying me. I'm impressed at his level of excitement while, you know, being a father of what, three boys or something yeah, like three that? Boys. Like, I, I don't know how he does that. Yeah. That's some next level stuff. I'm very impressed by that. But um, all right. We know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not I'm not like at that energy level. With yeah, It's anyway. all the time, Andrew. It's all the time. <laughs> you express that energy in different ways, Andrew. Okay. Different ways. Okay, fine. Fine. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, right. he's Andrew. Uh, oh, and yes. I'm Anitra. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Family Gamers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely wife, Anitra. That's me. <laughs> All right, anyway. Okay, let's jump right into it. Fact, I have a fact about the number 297. Who knows what a clematis is? Raise your hand if you know. I mean, it's a plant. It's a, it's a flower. It's a flower. The clematis is a flower. It is actually a, it's a flower in the buttercup family. Uh, if you look them up, you might recognize them. They're pretty popular in, in gardens. So they are popular in gardens, uh, beginning with the clematis jackmani. They are mainly of Chinese and Japanese origin. Most species are known as clematis in English, while some are also known as traveler's joy, virgin's bower, old man's beard, leather flower, or vase vine. But, but the reason why the reason why this is the fact is uh, there are currently 297 species of this flower, the clematis. Okay. And that's my fact for the number 297. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. But if you like flowers, maybe that's good for you. All right. <laughs> Well, our other fact is that the Family Gamers Podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Have you ever heard the term, it takes money to make money? Well, it's not the only way to make money, but it is a true statement. Income, however it looks, is like an engine. It can start slow, but as you build your resource pool, it often becomes easier to make more. If this sounds a little like the last time you played Wingspan or Terraforming Mars... It's because there's a lot of similarities between engine building in board games and financial engine building in real life. If you need help figuring out how to get that engine started, First Move Financial might be able to help. Head over to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to see how First Move Financial can kickstart your financial engine today. All right. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial. By the way, I now feel like I, I'm almost obligated to like apologize to Zach if I have a lame fact because he's my email. I, it's now. true. So sorry, Zach. This is not a fact that an 11 year old boy would find <laughs> interesting. So I'll try to do better next time. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is the time in the show when we talk about what we've been playing. Now, you guys 
have been playing some really recent stuff lately. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. We can, we can spill the beans. <laughs> uh, Roxley games is launching a Kickstarter. Um, actually June 14th. So the day after your podcast uh, goes live, the game is called sky rise. And I believe it's based off of another game called metropolis, but listen, I don't know anything. About okay. That. I think they, there's, there's some um, connections to that game. Anyway, sky rise is the game coming to Kickstarter from Roxley. What's the game, Melissa? It has a bit of an auction feel to it, but more similar to Raw, where you see all of the numbers each player has to be able to bid with. And you're bidding with actual buildings that you place on a board. You're basically architects building in this cloud city built on like mechanical floating cloud islands. islands. Yeah. So I might start a bid by placing my number 33 building on a green space. And if Kevin wants to outbid me, he would have to play a higher building on an adjacent space. And every space, there's certain colors and they have random tokens on them. So you're trying to get your buildings positioned on certain spaces to be able to collect certain tokens to then be able to score goals endgame goals or shared goals, all these sorts of things. So it's kind of this snake auction where you keep placing buildings out until everyone passes or no one else has a higher building to build. It's very interesting because you can see all the numbers other people have. So if I play my 82, I may know that another player can't play any higher buildings. Sure. So there, there's oh, kind of some tension mm-hmm. back and forth with trying to figure out how high is someone going to go. I don't really want this space. I want a later space. So I hope someone actually bids higher so I can bid again later. And later in the game, there's more and more buildings going out on the board. So eventually uh, there will be dead ends because there will be no adjacent spaces. So you're sometimes wanting to make that route of the bidding line go towards that spot at the right times so that you can take the spot. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then whoever yeah, wins sure. the bid will start the next bid. So sometimes you're strategically placing your buildings in spots to help you for in future turns. Neat. Very cool. So does everybody start with the same fixed allocation of buildings? No. no. Oh. Well, um, I mean, each color has a certain assortment of numbers Mm -hmm. that will never change, but no numbers are the same. So I might have a 12, a 25, and a 32, but Kevin has a 13, a 24, and a 36. Sure, sure. So like the the spread is roughly equivalent across all of the players. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be tall buildings, medium buildings, and small buildings. Smaller buildings are lower numbers. Uh, Larger buildings are higher numbers. And there's area control as well going on the game. So, yeah. Huh. Sounds pretty interesting. Very cool. We'll have to stay tuned for a playthrough of that game. There you go. Uh, check it out. Uh, <laughs> check it out this week, I guess. Um, and right. then uh, that is from Roxley. So as you, if you know anything about Roxley games, their components and just their their whole production value is very yeah. high. Yes. Um, and yeah. it shows even in the prototype. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I am uh, still eagerly awaiting my Marvel Dice Throne. Oh, OK. Which I expect to be beautiful <laughs> whenever, it, whenever it shows up. <laughs> cool. Fair. All right. What have you been playing, honey? Well, I'm going to mention that I had one final playthrough of Under Falling Skies since the last time we mm-hmm. podcasted. Mm-hmm. And then we released the review. And then I put out the written review for it. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to write because Under Falling Skies is a really good solo game. The box says 20 to 40 minutes. I would say it's 40 minutes to an hour, but it was just too hard for me. 
So I beat my head against the game <laughs> until I understood in which ways it was too hard for me. And then wrote a review where I said, look, this is a great game. If you like meteor, harder games, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm the only person who routinely plays solo games in this family. So it fell to me to, to figure it out. It's a really cool theme of alien invasion, fighting off the invasion. The campaign is really cool in the way that it changes up how the alien invasion works. You get extra tools to beat it back, but you also get extra challenges you have to deal with. Now there are civilians running around and you need to rescue them. Or, you know, now there's a lead ship that does extra things that are bad or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was not the game for me. <laughs> so... It is what it is. I am going to talk about Undo, Forbidden Knowledge. So have you played any of the Undo games from Pegasus? Mm -mm. So these are, I mean, they would kind of go into the category of like your unlocks or your exit boxes or something like that. There's some kind of thing that you're trying to solve as a group. And, you know, there's this puzzle thing. With Undo, it's a little bit different because the game starts with a story and then you essentially can go back or maybe forward in time to prevent the tragedy that has happened at the very beginning of the game. That sounds interesting. It reminded me a little bit of time stories in that you're jumping around in time and you're trying to figure out these problems, but it was not as complex as that, which meant we could actually play it with our kids, which is good. And unlike a lot of those other like puzzle boxes, the game just kept going. Like you either made a good decision or you didn't. And then you move on to the next thing and you either make a good decision or you don't. And then at the end of the game, you kind of tally your score and find out whether or not you successfully avoided the tragedy or not. And this is really important with kids because like, if you play any of these kinds of exit box games and you're just beating your head against some kind of puzzle that you can't seem to solve, kids are like, nah, I'm done. Forget it. I'm out of here. I'm going to go eat some cheeses or something. Yeah. And, and this was always like, you travel through a time, you read through a thing, you kind of discuss like, what's going on here? What do we know? And then at the bottom of the card, you're faced with a choice and like, it's multiple choice, pick A, B or C. And that's it. Do and then the you, get a, you get a score for the most part. It's either plus one, minus one or nothing. And kind of your goal is to get the highest positive score you can, because that's how you avoid the tragedy. I think the ultimately the highest bar of approval that I can give for this game is that at the end of it, my genuinely grumpy and petulant 13-year-old daughter said, eh, I kind of had fun playing that game. And I feel like that's a win. So, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I was basically like, ah, I didn't hate it. We're like, all right, <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> so that's definitely something we're going to be doing a, a write-up on or a snap review on or something like that. I'm not really sure. Something like that. Um, we do have another undo yes. game that we're going to play as well. But yeah, I, I really like the fact that they, you don't get stuck. You make a decision, you move on with your life. I will also say this one explicitly, the Forbidden Knowledge one, is a Arkham Horror Lovecraftian short story basis. But they managed to do it without anything that is too over the top. Like, it is sanitized enough that with older children who are okay with a little bit of creepy, but not, you know, nothing graphic you should be able to enjoy it just fine. Like there was a lot of us at the table saying like, oh no, that's a bad idea. No, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't open the book with the strange undecipherable characters. Yeah. Why would you do that? But our seven-year-old boy was cackling like a madman. Yeah, you know, exactly. As is appropriate. So, you know, what else have you guys had on your table lately? Well, I love Midway Euros and we recently got Space Station Phoenix from Rio Grande Games. 
And this is totally a medium plus, Melissa. <laughs> okay, medium plus. <laughs> it has a ton of components. When you first set it out, it's like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? But once you understand the gameplay, it's not that difficult. Basically, you have you're on a space station. It's very asymmetric. Each player has a different hub that does something when they activate it. You have spaceships that give you actions. So on your turn, usually what you're doing is taking your token and activating a spaceship. It can be your spaceship or someone else's ship, but you have to pay a little bit more if you activate someone else's ship and it can't be activated again for a certain amount of time. So sometimes you are hoping people don't come to your ships and block Mm -hmm. it because you're really hoping to take that action. But you're building, you're gaining resources to build more of your space station. You're getting aliens and humans to occupy those space stations. And basically every single piece does something different. (laughs) So so it's very asymmetric and you can really steer your strategy different ways based on the pieces that you put into your space station. There's only a certain number available to purchase each game. And so someone else may take that piece before you get to it. And then you have to switch strategies. But I thought it was really interesting because there were a lot of choices, but what you actually do on your turn is very simple. So there's a lot to think about, but it's not difficult to understand. The other thing I find interesting in that in this game is, like Melissa said, the spaceships is where you're getting your actions from. You're actually scrapping these spaceships throughout the game, which is it's helping you get more like metal as a, as a resource. Yeah. So you're 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 really determining when do I want to scrap? How many do I scrapping throughout the game? Which is then limiting the number of actions that you have. Although there are other people ships that you know hopefully have those actions available. So there's a little bit of tension in that. I, I find that part of the game interesting. There's a draft at the beginning to have a couple asymmetric ships. Mm-hmm. So, no, everything's asymmetric in this game. <laughs> lots, lots, lots of differing uh, player starts. Yeah. So you're not all doing the same thing. So it, it was really interesting. Space Station Phoenix from Rio Grande Games. If you like lots and lots of pieces and lots of choices. <laughs> the smile I, on Andrew's face is huge right now. <laughs> I do. Um, I, that's a, that, I want to ask a lot of questions, but I feel like I would just have a 20-minute conversation about this one game, and we don't have time for that. So I will keep an eye out. This sounds like something for, for you to look for at a convention. <laughs> yes, it does. There you go. Yes, it does. <laughs> Kevin, what do you got? Uh, Rear Window from Funko Games, I think is coming out this month. Uh, This is based off of the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Rear Window. Mm -hmm. This is a cooperative deduction game where one player is playing as the director, Alfred Hitchcock, and the other players are the watchers. If you're familiar with the movie, Jimmy Stewart plays this watcher. Um, and he's looking through his window to the basically the other side of the street to these apartments. And he's basically trying to figure out who these people are because he's stuck in a wheelchair and he's figuring out who these people are, what they're like living is you know who their characteristics um what might be happening in those apartments the game has a little bit of connection but in the movie uh there's a murder that's happening and jimmy stewart is you know he's trying to figure out like (laughs) sure the the whole thing and the game rear window from funko games one person is playing director the other people are, are the watchers and um at the beginning of the game the director sort of has a scene who's in the apartment and what their characteristics are behind a screen. And he's then giving clues that are basically different cards out on the board 
which is basically represented by those apartments and placing out like maybe the, the guy in the purple sweater and there's a photograph and then the other apartment, there might be a lady with a dog and you're basically placing these clues out on the board. The problem is as a director, you only have eight cards and there's eight spots. So you're very limited in the clues that you're giving to the people at the round. Then the watchers are then determining who they think are in those apartments and what they're doing with tokens. And at the end of the day, basically the end of the round, the director is showing the players how many of those spots are correct, but not which are correct. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like maybe Mysterium meets Mastermind kind of idea. Um, And then the next day, the director gives more clues and then they basically fill those spots in again. And then it's another board. So it's not like you're destroying the board. You're going to have a whole new board for the second day, then giving the number of correct. You're going up to four days. So it does play pretty quick. Okay. You're not building up the same scene though, are you? Yeah, you are the same scene through the whole game. The, the The point of the game is for the watchers to figure out all eight spots. There's a okay. basically a person in each of the apartments and then a characteristic that goes with the person. There is a little bit of variableness in that there is ways to make the game harder, um, which lets you actually have an interaction with the person. So there could be two people in an apartment for harder <laughs> games, um, okay. and they could be arguing with each other, they could be playing a game with each other, they could be doing something to make the game harder. Sure. Yeah, basically, as the watchers, there may be 10 different attributes that we know are the possibilities for that game. And the director has randomly selected four of them. So we kind of know we're looking for four of these 10 things. And as Mm -hmm. the days go on, you're like, oh, we really thought that was the animal lover on Uh day one. Uh Oh, but then the clue he gave us for day two has dining. So maybe we were that one was wrong and not one of our four correct ones. Mm -hmm. So you're using your deductive skills to figure out, oh, from day one and day two, we're pretty sure these are correct and those were wrong. So there is one more little bit, the murder, right? What happened? Yeah. Where's the murder? There is a murder token that is randomly shuffled in. The director may pull or may not pull. So there may or may not be a murder in that oh, scene okay. that you don't know. Okay. Sure. The director would know if he pulls it, of course, but it's hidden information. The game changes if a murder does happen and the director is the only one that knows. And the watchers, if they can figure out that there's a murder, it's a one versus many at that point. The director wants you to not guess the murder by the end of the game, but get a number of guesses correct. Like, I think it's like six or seven correct spots. But the watchers win if they guess the murder and guess six or seven or eight spots. So there's a there's a little bit of, what's the word? Semi-cooperative or <laughs> yeah, almost like traitorish. Yeah, semi-cooperative. Yeah. But you don't know if that's going to happen or not. And right, we, right. I played it probably six times now and I haven't had a murder happen. So. so you get to the point where you're like, is there a murder or is the director just really bad at giving clues? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Well, we, probably a month ago now, we played Master Word, which has kind of some of those same, there's a series of questions and the clue giver kind of just says, you got two or three of these things are correct but are, are right, but 
doesn't say which ones they but are. But I can't it's tell just, you which ones they are. Yeah, so it's there's there's a few things. But, I can but try to ask really pointed questions to make you think about <laughs> <laughs> what you put yeah. out there. But uh, no, this yeah. sounds really cool. That does sound cool. One of the nice things about this game, and Melissa and I were talking about, is as a watcher, you know, in code names, you your team versus team. There's people who are just casual gamers. They can be involved as they as much as they want to, or or not. Mm-hmm. In this game, it sort of has that feeling as a watcher, like the other side of the table, basically. You can be as as involved as, as you want to be or just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. on the outlier, kind of watching and giving a few, you know, So I can see thoughts. this appealing to a game night where you just have a group of people with different varying uh, interest so, levels. Yeah, interest level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's a lot of the IP rich stuff that Funko does. Yeah. Tries to strike that whatever that kind of medium level balance is on. Stuff yeah. Like yeah. That. So it sounds like they've done a really good job with this one. No, that's Rear Window from Funko. Yeah. Uh, I played another session of Batman Everybody Lies. Mm, we have played this as well. Yeah, this is fun. Have you played all four scenarios? We have. All right, well, don't say anything because I'm halfway done. Let me done. tell you about that last one. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so this is really interesting. And I'm going to talk about this when I release a review, which I think is for us coming out the same day as this podcast. The whole like personal goal thing as, you know, whether you want, did you guys elect to share your personal goals? With we each other? shared and yeah. played cooperatively. Yeah. yeah. So did we like, well, so I was Vicky Vale when we played the prologue. So which meant I didn't get a personal goal and the other players did, but we weren't really like super sure. Like they feel like they should be private because they're personal goals, but it doesn't really make sense to keep them private. <laughs> so that whole thing was weird. And um, I think I said this the first time I played um, when we were talking about it, like, I really wish they used Batman better. And maybe they do later. I don't know. But like, I feel like when they have those recap spots on the board, those are the opportunities for the world's greatest detective to say, hey, if you don't know this thing, you should know this thing. Also, I'm going to dock you points at the end of the game without saying that part. But like, (laughs) I think that was my biggest grievance with the game was like, so the people that I played with are, are not as a serious a gamer as I am. So like I'm comfortable with a, a detective style game like that where you're kind of working through this thing until you get to the end and you find out whether you were right or wrong or not. They were super uncomfortable with that. And the idea for them that they would go through this whole game and then find out that everything they did was a waste of, you know, a waste of time, air quote. <laughs> they didn't like that at all. And so like because this is Batman and he is the world's greatest detective, it might have been nice if he just dropped in and was like, you're going to lose points if I help you. But, you know, here I am being the world's greatest detective. I guess that was my biggest kind of thing with that game. But uh, otherwise, I really like the setting. I'm having a lot of fun with the intrigue and the deception and all that stuff that, you know, the game gives you. And that's Batman Everybody Lies. What do you guys think of it? I mean, not everyone lied. So, I mean, the whole game <laughs> title. <laughs> the title is a lie. Well, but, is it's a lie. Like, but it's it's like the the riverboat like Charon thing, you know, it's like, is he telling the truth or is he not telling the truth? And like, which way do you go? Is it the city of truth tellers? But whatever. We've played the original detective from portal. Um, and we actually never played the streamlined version, which I think came like season one or whatever it is. I actually like the, this new, whatever he calls it, the streamlined version. I think it works really well. It's got a start and an end. Whereas I felt the original one didn't, it was just kept going and going and going. This, we had the whole murder board, yeah, the murder the board, original, out. and we still were like, "What's going, going on?" on? Whereas this one, <laughs> three like, hours later, yeah. So this one, I felt like, "Oh, I, I'm not going to be here all night playing." Uh-huh. I, I actually felt it was thematic. We have I haven't seen the new Batman movie, 
I had a friend who actually watched the Batman movie and there was some things he said, oh, I wonder if that has to do with the new Batman. It could just be based off the comics. I think it is based off the comics, but I did feel like thematically they did bring in the different characters, which was I, I thought that was kind of cool in a different way. It wasn't it wasn't your normal Batman game, right? Right, right, right. So right. Sure. it was a detective Batman. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're playing all of the ancillary characters yeah, instead um, of the main ones. Yeah. And that's fine. I actually like that part of the, that it is, you know, the supporting cast. There were definitely uh, routes we took that we probably shouldn't have taken. Um, <laughs> conclusions we came to that were like had nothing to do with what the storyline was. We, we did well on a few of the missions. And then there was one mission that we just never, we, we knew a lot about one question. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but not a lot about some of the other stuff. I guess that was probably one of my beefs. Is like sometimes I didn't really know. Like I want to know the answer to this question. Sometimes there was no hints at to like where am I going to find that information. Maybe right. that was yeah. one of yeah, my, yeah. One of my things, yeah. I, I understood so. it. How do I say this without spoiling anything? <laughs> uh, in one of the missions, we kind of lost the thread of the core of the mission. Because we were so interested in finding out like the history of these characters and how they related <laughs> over time. And I think if you know what I'm talking about, you kind of know yeah. what I'm talking about. We oh, yeah. were, we, I mean, we had that whole thing. Like we had the mind map. It was all written out. And like this person did this at this time and this thing. And this is vengeance and blah, blah, blah. And we had all that stuff. And then we went to finish it. And they asked the first question. We're like, oh, that was an important thing to figure out, wasn't it? <laughs> Whoopsie. (laughs) But um, I mean, I think that really goes to show just how interesting the depth of this game is, that there is this level of intrigue with it. Was it multiple choice answers at the end? I forget. It Um, is. Yeah, yeah, I do like that about this one. I'm like, at least I got a 33% chance, 25%. (laughs) We can make it work. Right. Well, we actually ended that mission at seven of eight for our points. Um, even though we had like, we're like, uh, well, it wasn't this. It was like process of elimination on the multiple choice questions. It's like, well, now we got a 50% chance of getting it right. We're going to say this guy. But the fact that we could spend an entire hour planning out the entire history of all these characters and like miss the core thrust of the mission. (laughs) I I mean, it just like that goes to show you, I thought how good the storytelling was. You know what I mean? It felt like you were really exploring the world of Batman. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, Batman Everybody Lies from Portal Games. And now because I listen to Board Games Insider, I can say from Ignacy Chevichek. There you go. Yes, you can. And, <laughs> instead of attempting to pronounce his last name otherwise. <laughs> well, speaking of detectives, uh, we've also been playing Sherlock Case Connection. Which Another game is... that comes out, well, I guess when this comes out, it will have just come out last week. Yes, it is brand new. You did mention on the podcast a while ago, um, how we ended up with a pre-release copy, because that is not normal for us. Nope. But it's really enjoyable, very light game. It actually, on the box, says ages 8+, plus, and we think that's completely on track. Like, this is a 20-minute game, simple. You actually don't need to know anything about Sherlock Holmes in general, or the British miniseries specifically, to be able to play the game and enjoy it which none of our kids have seen that. So we appreciate that they could still enjoy playing it even without all that knowledge. It's, what do you call it? It's not really, it's not a deduction game. It doesn't really feel like being a detective. Except it's like a that, network building. Game. Except that you're building this network. You're starting with like a suspect and trying to build out all the connections you need to prove like, oh yes, in fact, they did do this thing. And then you score them and you grab a new suspect and start solving another crime. But yeah, overall, it was probably a little simpler than we expected, but good. 
I really like that it was all pictures from the the show with Benedict Cumberbatch and, and Martin Freeman. So I don't know if you guys have had the chance to play this game, but not, the game is on its way. So I'm I'm interested. In, it sounds interesting. <laughs> so there's lead cards, which are all the villains, and you know you pick one and, and you put that down, and, and then you need to make your network around that lead. And there were many times. Have you seen? Have you watched the show? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Where where I look at two lead cards and be like, old now. okay, 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 and I'm like, oh, this guy, I'm gonna get that guy, and that's you know that's how I would pick my. But the kids are just like, I don't know, this guy looks cool, you know, and it totally works. It's totally <laughs> fine cool. because mechanic, like mechanically, the game doesn't really have anything to do with Sherlock, but you know, the theme works with kind of what you're doing, so that's why it yeah. it works on multiple levels. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we like that a lot. I'm going to even put one more detective game out there. What? Too many detectives. Too many Can't detective even deal. games. But they're all different styles. So you and I pulled out uh, The Key, Theft at Cliff Rock Villa, and played some more of that. Yes, we did. Because you and I love logic puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I've played the Llama Land. Yep. Sabotage one. at Lucky Llama Land. Yeah. I, I mean, they don't they don't really differ all that much. Like mechanically, it's the same engine. Um, did you know that the guy who did those is the same guy who did the crew? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, he's a genius. Like, his stuff is awesome. Like, it's really, I love that logical kind of stuff. I mean, the crew obviously taking trick-taking and flipping it on its head. and Yeah. It's just really fun. I love those games. They're so much fun. Like, we didn't play it with the kids. It's a hobby game. Don't care. But a lot of fun with it. If you have played Sabotage at Lucky Llama Land, Theft at Cliff Rock Villa is the same difficulty level as that one. Same overall style. But some of the types of clues are different. So there's items that were left at the scene and you have a picture with like all these different suitcases for the different guys. And you like try to figure out, you know, Hmm. whose stuff is in what suitcase. And there's fingerprints and there's security cameras. Security cameras drive me nuts (laughs) because it's, it's the world's worst security camera picture. It's all pixelated except for like two tiny squares, which show some portion of one of the three characters' faces. But that that actually, like, can somebody explain to me how it is that police have such bad security footage, by the way? Like, I can buy for $120, I can buy a doorbell that has better video than, like, stores with thousands of dollars of merchandise in it, in them and the, the cameras that they can get. So I feel like Haba did a really good job representing I these expensive security yes. systems. Yes. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Um, all right. You guys have one more for us? Yeah, we have one more. All it's right. called Connect Team. I forget the name of the company, but it's a division of Asmodee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small box game. It reminds me of Medium. If you ever played the game mm-hmm. Medium, yep. um, this is a game where players have a hand of cards with a bunch of different words on them. On your turn, you have to play a card. You can either start a new group of cards or you can add to a group of cards. And then once every player has played all their cards, you're going to look at all the groups, any groups that only have one card, you just discard them and you don't, you're not going to play with those cards, any groups that have two or more, that's where the fun begins. So you're going to be, you know, like I said, playing the cards and you're trying to figure out one, a one word clue that would represent that group of cards. So it could be like fantasy movie water or something. And then you're looking at the player to your left. And you have to lock eyes and you have to touch your index fingers together. And then you're and you're choosing one group and you're telling that person, this is the group I'm going after. And then you're both going to say one word and you're saying 
Oh, what were the three words again? <laughs> I'm a visual learner. <laughs> Fantasy, movie, water. Fantasy. Three, movie. two, one. Moana. Oh, yeah. No, nope. okay. I didn't get anything. <laughs> I just thought, you know, so yeah. Melissa and I would have not, we have not gotten any points for that one. And then the, then the next person on that player's left goes to the next player and just going around the table picking groups of cards. If you get a connection, then you grab one of those cards and you place it in the box is basically a point. There are some goal cards that say, if you get the first two connections, you get an extra point. If you get the last connection, you're getting extra point. There's other ways of getting mm-hmm. goal cards. The point of the game is just like medium. You're trying to sync brainwaves together and guess it. Right. This is a little bit more intuitive in that some groups could have three, four cards in them. So you might be able to get a little bit yeah, and tighter connection. And since the cards are building throughout the round, there's a little bit more time to think about the words sure. that might go with it. Whereas medium, it's like, play a card, play a card, say something really right. quick. Yeah. Whereas this one, and sometimes people are laying cards to add to it. I think we played a game and it was fantasy creature, close to fire, dramatic, <laughs> painful. So I said Phoenix and Melissa had said dragon. Phoenix was I, I was 50-50 between Phoenix I mean, and Dragon. Yeah, yeah sure. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, that Phoenix was definitely painful. Yeah. <laughs> so is it like concept where it goes one person at a time and so the yeah. the pairing is different, or is it it goes by pairs for the connecting? Um, so you're always looking at the player to your left. If it's my turn, I'm gonna pick a group. And then if Kevin's to my left, he's going to pair with me. Right. Then it will be Kevin's turn. That's my turn. Then it's my player to my left. And I just keep going around the circle. All right. Yeah. That's kind of how concept does it. There is a way in the game where a third player could join in on that connection. And they have one, basically everyone has one sort of help card. card. And if you (laughs) think you really know what that pairing is, and maybe the other person in the pair has no clue. They're like, I don't know that they sort of can come in and do a, a three-way pair or um, connection. So <laughs> Mind meld. Yes. So <laughs> Triplet. There I like it. So that is connect team. It's C-O-N-N-E-C T-E-A-M. Right. So two words, no T at the end of connect. Yeah. And we actually played this on our Saturday morning board game show, which is a live show where we play some games and talk about some games. So yep. that is on our channel currently Very cool. for uh, cool. June, correct? Yep. Saturday morning board game show of June. I cannot believe it is already June. All right. So why don't we do this? We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Saturday morning board game show and everything else that you can find under the Tantrum House banner. All right. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Some British men, criminal intrigue, and smug antagonist eventually getting their due. This sounds like a TV show and each and I can actually watch together. Sure does. And it turns out it was a pretty good show. <laughs> Filled with iconic characters and set pieces and brilliant writing and acting, Sherlock has cemented itself as incredible British television and vaulted Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman into becoming household names. Now you can connect the dots and catch the bad guys yourself in a new game from Lucky Duck Games. So let's get into our mind palace and take a look at this Light Family game. This is a snap review for Sherlock Case Connection. Sherlock Case Connection is a connection building set collection game for two to four players. It'll take 20 to 30 minutes to play and anyone in the family, age eight and up, can play. 
So, Anitra, let's talk about the art in this game. Sure. Most of Case Connection is actually pictures from the TV show, which is great. Lucky Duck got the full license to this series, including the likenesses of the actors. Look at this handsome box lid. And the cards are filled with pictures from the TV show. The icons are clear, and they're easy to understand, and they've got colors and symbols to represent everything. The graphic design is just great. Your lead cards have connection icons and point values, and that's it. They do add a skull to remind you that they're your goal to complete, unlike the thread cards, which might have bonus tokens on them, but also add those connection icons, which are very important. In fact, let's talk about those. How do you play this game? You set up the game with four location boards set out with thread cards and proof tokens on each location. Each player gets two lead cards and picks which lead they're going to go after. Play goes around the table with each player taking two items from a single location. Two thread cards, two proof tokens, or one of each. But they do have to be from the same location. They have to be on the same location. Yeah. When two locations have only one option left on each, then you refill all the locations from the thread deck and the token pile. Your goal is to construct a path from your lead card through tokens and thread cards to fulfill all of the symbols on your lead card. Cards can be directly connected, or they can be indirectly connected through another card. Some thread cards have bonus values, which will add some kind of reward when the lead is finished, but you'll only get those bonuses if that card is directly connected to the lead. When you've completed a lead, turn that card face down. You can then pick two items and only two to save from your mind map for that lead. Everything else goes back to the central supply. The game ends when one player gets to nine points. Usually this is their third completed lead. Then everyone else gets one last turn. Whoever has the most points wins. That's how games work. <laughs> so, Andrew, what did we expect from this game? Well, <laughs> we play a lot of games, right? What? So the vitals on the box give us a sense of what to expect. Age 8 plus, time 30 minutes, two to four players. With the actors on the box, we did expect some darker themes, which I suppose we got. But again, those vitals told us to expect a relatively light game that the entire family could play together. We also figured content from the show would feature pretty heavily, given, again, the cover of the box. Right. So, Anitra, there were some things about this game that surprised us. Let's talk about those. This game is really, really simple. The images are great. And for those of us who have seen the show, it brings back awesome memories. So many times I would look at my lead cards and I would pick which one I wanted because I wanted to get that guy because I remembered what happened in the show. There's nothing in the imagery that's gory or inappropriate for older children. It won't be as meaningful for players who haven't seen the TV show, but you don't need to know anything about Sherlock Holmes to play. I will say that the universal proof tokens, I think they're a little bit too powerful. Like we said, you keep two things when you finish a lead. I think that the universal proof tokens, which are wild, should always be discarded back to the box after use. Maybe that's a way to mediate difficulty, maybe for playing with different ages, for example. I don't know. Once you get two, why would you keep anything else? I disagree. I don't think the two universal tokens are a game breaker because there is a lot of luck in this game. We've actually played and one player only drew the highest value, most difficult lead cards. And that ended up putting them behind because they couldn't get the exact thread cards they needed. And it took several more turns just to get one extra point. On the other hand, the luck involved in the game means that it's not impossible to balance between older and younger players. That's true. And the game moves quickly most of the time. Last-minute refills of the board did often slow us down at a higher player count, and then it can feel like a long wait for your turn to come around again. 
if you're not planning with that extra time that you have, just like other games, you could end up feeling bored. Our youngest definitely did. Yeah. Adults will fill this time with friendly banter, but kids often don't do that with their parents sitting down <laughs> playing. Has anybody had a quiet time at the dinner table? It just happens. Anyway, this path building game is a really fun way to relive the show for adults, and it's a neat way for kids to learn how to think multiple steps ahead without being too overwhelmed. The barrier of entry isn't that high. Kids as young as seven or maybe even six could play with minor rule adjustments or maybe even no rule adjustments at all. There's no reading required in this game. So, Nitra, what are we going to rate Sherlock Case Connection from Lucky Duck Games? Well, it doesn't feature groundbreaking mechanics, and the theme is pretty evident. So, keeping in mind it's likely only going to be people really interested in the Sherlock theme who pick it up, we're going to rate it four clues out of five. Right. And that is Sherlock Case Connection in a snap. And we're back. So we're here with Kevin and Melissa from Tantrum House. And we're going to talk about what Tantrum House is and what you guys do. And Yeah, well, let's yeah. start. For, like, So what do you guys do? Like, what's, What is the life of Kevin and Melissa? <laughs> we both have full-time jobs. Um, and Tantrum House for all the uh, partners, uh, all the all the people who are involved. It's all a fun hobby. I mean, even in our, our online, I was just looking at like, what did Will say about Tantrum House Online? We are a group of longtime friends who enjoy sharing our love of board games with the world. I was like, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Tantrum House is a side sort of uh, hobby that we enjoy doing. Um, we've been doing it since 2015. Melissa and I both, like I said, have full-time jobs. I'm a a full-time children's pastor at our local church. And Melissa? I write educational, exciting, interesting scripts, think something kind of like Sesame Street for (laughs) a homeschool curriculum, video curriculum. Okay. That is super cool. I have seen pictures of you with like puppets on both hands and doing some stuff. She not only uh, writes scripts, but sometimes she acts in the scripts (laughs) or does puppets for the scripts. So multi-talented. All right. That seems like fun. I mean, that seems like a genuinely fun job. It it is. It's very creative. Sometimes it's like uh, the muse is not there. Maybe (laughs) I'll go work on a few spreadsheets and then the muse will come back. (laughs) All right. There's always business. Yeah. Our lives consist of doing the full-time job doing Tantrum Mouse. And Melissa and I also have another side business where um, we call it Hands Full of Fun. And we do basically birthday parties and events in Greenville, South Carolina with balloon twisting, animal balloons, and magic shows. So, Ooh, very yep. fun. All right. Yeah. Very fun. Everything that you just mentioned is something that I am glad that there are other people out there in the world who want to do that. <laughs> um, well, especially as someone, uh, we've been homeschooling for two years now, um, and I am ready to be done homeschooling, uh, <laughs> but it makes me really appreciate all of the people who are out there working to put curriculum together. Mm-hmm. So, I can do the dog and I can do the sword. There you go. Well, you know what? We can do a thousand different balloons, (laughs) dragons, all sorts of things. And the things that are most requested are dogs and swords. Yep. Uh, Yes. See? So. I mean, what little boy doesn't want a balloon sword? It's a sword that they're actually allowed to hit things with. I know. Listen, whatever, whatever. Are you sure you don't want a dinosaur? No, give me a sword. <laughs> they always say it. Yeah, it's that's so funny. funny. Well, you know, I, at least I can help out in that regard, which <laughs> is go. funny because I have a dinosaur suit, but I can't make a dinosaur. Okay. I have to make a sword. If you make, work. if you can make a dog, you can make a dinosaur. You know what? I mean, maybe we'll we'll do some lessons sometime. Maybe maybe sometime I will come to Tantrum Con and I there will learn. 
I love it. Worked. You are always welcome for Tantrum Con. That is another part of Tantrum House is Tantrum Con, which is our yearly convention. Um, we moved it to Charlotte, Charlotte. North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we moved to North Carolina, some some city in there. A big one. A Charlotte. big one. Yep. Yeah. So it seemed to be a better hub. Anyway, don't need to go all in the details, but that's where it is now. Lord willing, that will be where it will stay for the foreseeable future. So that'll be probably in February sometime. And that will be Tantrum Con 2023 will be the next one, February. So looking forward to that. You're always welcome. I super want to go and I have wanted to go for a while. It just has not worked out. We're going to make it happen. It will be a thing. And then maybe I'll learn how to make a dinosaur or a dragon or something go. like that. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So how big is Tantrum Con? Like how many people come? We had six, 700, 600. I think it was about 600 in 2022. Mm-hmm. We did a digital con in 2021. And then we actually made a 2020 convention before the pandemic hit. And it was a little under 600. So okay. we kept awesome. about the same, which we kind of were hoping. Actually, I was hoping for about 500 for 2022. <laughs> I was like, as long as we can be like break even. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, for convention and we're hoping to grow it in the future. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, that sounds like, you know, a good size regional con. Which yeah. is which is exactly you know what I w- would love to see, and I I remember from some some pictures and stuff, you know, FOMO sears the stuff into your memory, so you mm-hmm. forget that you do have like a vendor hall and stuff like that. Yeah, we have so, vendors, we have yeah publishers, we have a, like an artist alley, uh, we have a mini painting room, we have tournaments, we have learn to plays, we have play to wins, we have basically <laughs> any like a, like a regular convention would have on a little smaller scale. So it's a, I feel it's more personable. Uh, yeah, maybe you can use the word friendly. Uh, we're all there hanging out and it seems like people enjoy that. So, yeah, I did dice tower con one year and it kind of, I think that's a little bit bigger, but, um, it has a lot of that same stuff. Actually, oh, yeah. I think you have more activities than they did. Theirs was pretty much, there's a vendor hall. There's a room where you play games. There's mm-hmm. a couple of breakout rooms and that's it. Go have fun. So, yeah. Yep. They had a hot games area, I think, last Dice Tower. Oh, oh yeah, they did. They did. They did. It was mm-hmm. kind of up front. They were just like, but it was part of the main like yeah. play hall where you did yep. your stuff. Um, so you mentioned before that you have the Saturday morning videos. What uh, What's your channel like? Like, what's the schedule? Yeah. <laughs> what is the schedule, Melissa? Eclectic. <laughs> yeah. Tantrum House <laughs> is an eclectic channel of board game videos. Um, so we've tried different things throughout the years. We started putting out videos um, back in like 2014, 2015, we started mainly this, the, the whole channel started with reviews, like lots of reviews, the old classics, Ticket to Ride, Catan, and they were called terrible two minute reviews. Uh, <laughs> Will and Ryan did them. They were not two minutes. They were not terrible. Um, so a lot of people called us out on that. Uh, we, <laughs> we moved to just regular reviews for a lot of things. Kickstarter was oh, the wild, wild west back in the mid yeah, 2010s. So I sort of capitalized on that and did a Kickstarter roundup, sort of like looking ahead, upcoming videos. So no one else was really doing that back at the time. So many people are doing it nowadays. And that sort of was a little niche that we had sort of looking at Kickstarter. A lot of publishers, a lot of like other content creators, a lot of other people were just like, ah, Kickstarter, just we just ignore that. Even Board Game Geek, there was like poo-pooing Kickstarters back <laughs> then. So us doing that kind of stuff, people sort of look to us for that kind of information. Nowadays, Kickstarter is like just another one of the things. It's, you know, everyone sort of accepts it. It's its own thing now. So Or GameFound. Yeah, and now GameFound um, yeah. is bring bring thing and probably even better. <laughs> yeah, um, we always have to be like, is this one going to Kickstarter or GameFound? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's going to crowdfunding. Yeah. Keep yes. <laughs> crowdfunding is the general term. So so we have then we started doing playthroughs. Like I mean, I think you should mention you're still doing those I'm videos. Still doing the upcoming twice a month. Twice usually. a month. Yep. So been doing that for five years now. It's a toll. I'm doing it that long. <laughs> And it never ends. And yep. <laughs> oh, we feel you. Like yep. it's it's kind of jarring when you look back at the sheer quantity of content that you've managed to put out. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So there was a there to be honest, there was a time back in the late 2010s, like 2018, 2019, I was putting out like four videos a week. Um, just myself oh, and it was just on top of my like regular st- stuff yeah. and I was like I can't do this anymore guys so that's the one thing to having a team a lot of the other people on the team was like oh yeah let's all work together let's do what we love to do let's not make it a burden so mm-hmm. um, we still do reviews here and there we do overview videos we do playthroughs which is something maybe a little bit newer on our channel um, live playthroughs, recorded playthroughs. That's something that's really enjoyable. We get to play games and just play games on camera and just be ourselves. Something a mm-hmm. little different than maybe a review video that you would see. So yeah. we enjoy doing that. Yeah. And then once a month, we have our Saturday morning board game show. It's usually about an hour, the first Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern time. And it's going to be five to 10 games that we just kind of spend five-ish minutes on each, maybe play a quick round or just give an overview of. So it's yeah. kind of a a quick look at a bunch of different games. The other big thing that people really like are our top 10 videos, especially the end of the year, top 10 videos or Gen Con <laughs> videos or Essen videos, things that are like people, I mean, people like those kind of that kind of content. So yeah. Well, I will say one of the things that always struck me about your stuff is that your production value is very high. It always looks great. Like, do you, I mean, some of the people on your team must have like professional video editing chops. There's, there's no way they don't. So Will is a graphic designer. No one really technically has professional video editing, but we had a partner who's no longer, he's not a part of Tantrum House anymore. He was a video, I want to say editor. He's a video videographer. videographer. So okay, we had a lot sure. of that experience that he shared with us and we took that and when, so we have to make, you know, it's all about lighting cameras and set. I mean, and then once you yeah. get there, Will makes it look pretty with all its graphic design. So yeah. the, all that kind of stuff put together, it sort of makes it look nice. But it, it looks fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, I, that was one of the things that really struck me about your videos, really from the first few that I watched, which were actually Kickstarter roundup videos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if, I, if I need to confess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what always strikes me with your videos is how much you all obviously just enjoy hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. We have to say that our uh, partners, uh, assistants, colleagues, I don't know, colleagues, 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 uh, colleagues. In, in doing the family Co-writers. gamers, writers. Yes. Friends. Can we well, they, are, friends? they are our friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are our friends, but there's a different relationship there. Once they get involved with writing for our site, because it, I, think that's true. I mean, Let's be honest, it's our site. It's Andrew's and mine. And everybody mm-hmm. else is like, eh, I could take it or leave it. And we're like, no, this is our thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we want we want we want more more embracing. But also, like some of our writers are not geographically near us. So like we yeah. can't get together and play. Mm-hmm. So that obviously makes some things harder too. A lot harder. There there are 
two of our writers that we've never actually met in person. And wow. someday we will, but in the meantime, we can play games with them on Board Game Arena. That's, that's what we do <laughs> now. So, yeah. yeah, we we all live in Greenville, South Carolina in the area. So within like 15, 20 minutes of each other, awesome. we get together almost every Monday night and play games and strategize what do we need to learn? Who's learning this game? Who yeah. wants to play this game? Not, oh, that's so Social deduction, not me. Um, yeah, I, yeah, prob- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I probably see Will Monday, Thursday, Fridays, sometimes Saturdays. So I oh see my him. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> and you're not related to each other in no. any way, legally or otherwise. Right? No, uh, <laughs> it's just because of the just the amount of stuff we're we're mm-hmm. doing, or we have to connect, or or things like that. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, what does the future look like for Tantrum House? Like. Where do you see Tantrum House going? Like, what's the goal? Like, we talk about this and we're like, I, I don't even know what the goal Like, I don't know where we're going. I mean, maybe it's, you know, to get more people to write so that we don't have to write as much. Like, that's a good goal. But like, do you have a vision for Tantrum House? Well, it is a little interesting because there are eight of us, basically, that are partners for couples. We also have interns. And, and some interns, but but the partners are the ones that are getting together and talking about the vision and the plans, what's working, what's not working, who enjoys doing what. And I think we're at the point, because we've been doing this for a lot of years, and even the whole social media landscape is kind of changing. YouTube mm-hmm. is where most of our content is. We also do a podcast. We do some stuff on TikTok and Instagram a little bit here and there. But But, just figuring out what do we, what brings us joy and what brings our viewership joy what do they want to watch and what do we want to do diagram where like (laughs) actually i think it was in january we had our like yearly meeting i was like okay venn diagram we got three circles what do we enjoy what do people like like what's going to help our channel out and like trying like what's the intersect between all those kinds of things so what's going to help make us money also (laughs) (laughs) i mean look it's real right it's not free to do this yeah Uh, it, it can be hard yeah so so where did you end up (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I think we're still in the figuring things out stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's pretty wild to we're, be doing it for ten years and not really know. <laughs> right. Well, we like we do say like we enjoyed the play. Like we like it was easy for some of us to be like we enjoy playthroughs or the videos that do well in top tens. Like I can tell you right now, if someone in our channel puts out their top ten, like Jonah, I tell Jonah, you have never put out your top ten of all time. Jonah, you need to do it. Will's working on his top 10 of all time. When you put that video out, I know it's going to do well because people just like to compare. Like, oh, what is his top? Yeah, like like lists, lists. that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think it was 2018 when I did my top 10 of all time. I was like, I mean, it's been five, four years. It's probably time for me. I think it was probably 2017. Was it? So it's five or six years ago. I was like, I'm like, I'm telling the guys, I'm like, I probably want to redo my top 10. I know some channels put their top 10 out every year. I mean, that's not me, yeah, right. but like, yeah, yeah. We, we do a top 10 of the year every year. Right, right, right. But like my yeah, top, my yeah. top 10 favorite games. So I enjoy top 10 videos. The other thing that I think we all agreed on that we enjoy doing is doing things together. Like sometimes when you're doing things by yourself, it can be not discouraging, but it can just be like, Exhausting. Lonely. Yeah. <laughs> exhausting, boring. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, I'm just editing a video. I'm doing a video. I'm putting out the video. And I'm not doing it with the friends that, that we've had in Tantrum House. So we have we yeah. have talked through that kind of stuff. So 
Yeah, one thing that, you know, we, I don't know how this could ever actually happen, but certainly something that's come up for us is, like, you have your Saturday morning show at 11 o'clock. That's a live show. You do it for an hour or whatever, and you're done. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Like, it's not like you film for an hour, and then Mm -hmm. you go and you edit and post for six hours. And and that becomes a much more sustainable model for a lot of people. And, like... We actually were doing stuff on Twitch before people did board games on Twitch, and it was wow. just like, well, there was there was no, it, it, it but there was no viewership there, was no audience there at for it. the there was time. No yeah. for it. We mm-hmm. didn't have a great setup, so we kind of did it a couple times. We're like, this is lame sauce. We're not doing this anymore. But now, I mean, now the the platform kind of supports it, so you know, it's yeah, it's that but, might be a little easier. But now we're or also YouTube at a different stage of life where yes. it's like, well, anything we do is going to have our children running around and being maniacs and disrupting the stream and. But I feel like that's organic. Like, that's real. You know, that's what gaming is is, like as parents. So, like, I'm not entirely against something like that. In fact, we've made jokes about doing TikToks like that with our children, you know, beating each other up with cushions behind us. But uh, (laughs) we've done one or two TikTok videos like that. That is another thing with with Tantrum House. Uh, The four couples are all kind of in different stages of life. Mm -hmm. Ryan and Katie and Jonah and Chantel have toddlers toddlers and babies and Katie's pregnant (laughs) and will and sarah their boys are now getting into upper elementary and middle school kevin and i we don't have children i mean we're around a lot of children and kevin uh, (laughs) is a children's pastor but we're all in different stages Mm -hmm. so we can bring different things Mm -hmm. to the channel and have different time that we can allocate to tantrum house right sure we put a lot of eggs in the basket of youtube and uh-huh. YouTube has changed yes. over the over the years. And I would say even people's eyes aren't on YouTube as much, even in the board game industry. You have other competing platforms. I know TikTok is one of the things that people talk about a lot. But just like in general, people's eyes aren't there as much. I think sure. that can be a thing to think about in the future, too. I definitely think that and, and I've seen this with myself. And that when I realized it about myself, that was when it was the most jarring is that we, especially in, in the United States, we have been conditioned to have extremely short attention spans. Mm-hmm. And I actually, just two days ago, I took Facebook off my phone because I ended up, I was scrolling through, I was doom scrolling, and then I ended up at some funny video, and then half an hour has gone by, and I've watched 30 videos, right? Mm-hmm. But then a video will come on, and I'm like, oh, five minutes? I'm not watching a five-minute video. Like, <laughs> What? What is wrong with me that I won't watch a five minute video? You know what I mean? So like, there's something about that, like the rapidity of content ingestion, I guess, that is, was really jarring to me when I comprehended it in myself. And I think that's really telling for all of us as content creators and and what's the hook? Like, there's got to be a really, really strong hook now. Yep. So... I don't know. That's as far as I got with it. But Well, I mean, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we stick with, for us, the podcast is our number one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what people expect from us. And that is our number one priority to get out every week. Because podcasting, although it has changed, it has not changed as much as something like a, like a YouTube has. It's like, hey, you expect a... 45 minute to an hour of something you can listen to while you're driving or mm-hmm. mowing the lawn or whatever every week. And we're going to give it to you yeah. every week. And that's what we're doing right now. So we're super <laughs> glad that you're all listening. We really appreciate it. I hope this is interesting because this is what we do. You're seeing a little bit of how the sausage is made. There you go. <laughs>
Well, I think we probably can wrap this up. We are huge fans of you guys and of really the whole team, the whole Tantrum House team. I love watching your videos. I love your joy is infectious. Watching you just watching will be a maniac is a big part of it. I'll admit, but just watching the joy that you, you bring to all of this stuff, whether it's, you know, playing the, you know, guess the board game in 60 seconds or which by the way, there's a great, you know, TikTok anyway, um, or, or just, uh-huh. you know, the, the how to plays or the playthroughs or whatever. It just, the joy is so present and I love it. And it's almost like try not to smile when watching these videos kinds of thing. And I will fail every time because you guys are so happy to be doing the tantrum house thing. Well, thank Um, you very much. I'm very glad that we could have you on to talk about that and to kind of share with our audience, uh, you guys and what you do. Well, it was great being on your show. Thank you for having (laughs) us. Yeah. Thanks so much. Where should people find that stuff online? Where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so we mentioned YouTube. So you can just look up Tantrum House on YouTube. We do have a website, tantrumhouse.com. And then if you do listen to podcasts, I mean, if you have time in addition to your podcast, (laughs) then you're welcome to check out the Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast as well. If you don't alphabetize by the, Family Gamers does come before Tantrum House. There you go. (laughs) But... But we're, be... but we're there under T, so we actually yeah. come after him. Oh. Yes. Well, that's, right. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I mean, well, whoever I... decided that their their board game uh, podcast was like up in the A's and B's, they got it made. Right, right. Well, Anisha, where can people find us online? Well, you can find us on all kinds of social media at Family Gamers AA. That's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok when we're not feeling old and broken down. Uh, <laughs> You can find our stuff on YouTube at The Family Gamers. Uh, that's mostly our five-minute snap reviews. Every once in a while, the little uh, Easter egg in there somewhere. Yeah. You can head over to the community at thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. It brings you right into the Facebook group, or you can just search for The Family Gamers community on Facebook. You can email us, Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. And just like the super comfortable t-shirts of Tantrum House, we have merch as well. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. I personally like the hoodie. It's very comfy. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We cannot leave you without reminding you that you have about two and a half more weeks to enter the giveaway to celebrate our 300th podcast episode. Yeah, We're for, giving away forgot, a whole bunch of games. How did I forget about that? We're giving away a bunch of games. We're breaking them apart. There will be many winners to the single giveaway. So go ahead and enter early, enter often. <laughs> As always, the Family Gamers Podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com forward slash Family Gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Thanks again to First Move for sponsoring this episode of the show. Thank you for being on the show with us. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. So I think that's going to be it for us this week. Until next week. Play games for your kids! kids.